Welcome to Step Into Magic, your weekly online radio show on how to develop your psychic ability with acclaimed medical intuitive, Josephine Lang. This broadcast is a part of the Wisdom and Intuition Network. This is Anthony Taylor, your host, and on behalf of Josephine, I'll be taking your calls and questions. Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Tony and Frank did a little research into Google Analytics this past week, and we were all so delighted to find out that we have listeners in London and Zurich and Germany, even Indonesia and Australia, as well as all across Canada and the United States. So it's so wonderful to see how our spiritual psychic community is growing. Yes, Josephine, I'm so pleased. It's truly great. And I look forward to our listenership growing more as more and more people discover the show. Uh, So please do share the links with your friends. Uh, For those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, Josephine has been a medical intuitive for more than 25 years. And during that time, she's helped thousands of people from around the world to heal from hard-to-diagnose and chronic health problems. All of our programs are about developing psychic ability. And our show um, today is on forgiveness and gratitude to coincide with the American Thanksgiving holiday. So, uh, Josephine, uh, perhaps you could begin by explaining the connection between forgiveness and gratitude and psychic ability. Yes, that's a beautiful question, Tony, and I'd love to address this, but first of all, I always like to start our show with our spiritual agreement. So I'm hoping that you can all make this with me. And it goes like this. Together we acknowledge that everything that we think, that we say, and that we do at this time will be of the highest good. And together we ask for truth, the understanding of that truth, and the wisdom to use it in our lives. Do you all agree? Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) So now, let's move on to your question. So our job as psychics or as people who are using their intuitive guidance, their inner guidance, is to keep our channel open. Uh, When our minds are encumbered with anger or any other negative thoughts or thought patterns, it's more difficult to keep those channels open. But when our minds are free, we can receive more easily. And if our minds are preoccupied with left-brain concerns like fear of the future or anxiety or resentments from the past, then we can't really access our right-brain function as easily, which is where we find our oneness. So thinking, you know, in terms of Henry David Thoreau at Walden's Pond um, or a writer with a writer's loft or any sanctuary where we have an opportunity to go in and uh, be by ourselves and work on ourselves, that's where we can really work on clearing things like uh, forgiveness because a lack of forgiveness or clearing things like going moving into forgiveness because a lack of forgiveness or holding resentments or betrayals, feelings or thoughts of betrayal or any of those types of emotions, those create a lot of negative brain chemicals in our bodies. And negative brain chemicals create negative hormones. And sometimes we get a high off of that or a, a, a bit of a charge. You know, think of rant radio where people are ranting on and on and there's a lot of anger and stuff. Well, that doesn't really open up a place inside of us for our clear opening listening and our inspirations. And, um, I mean, we can have psychic ability on a survival level, you know, where we're like, ooh, I'm not going to go down this alleyway or turn left or don't turn right or whatever. And that can be very great. 
um, so we can receive, but it's not really so much coming out of a negative or, of a, or out of a fear place. So um, on the other hand, when we have gratitude in our lives or forgiveness, we wind up with less stress and the brain chemicals and hormones that we make are more conducive to us receiving our inner guidance from that state of equanimity or grace or ease. We're not grasping. And so this is in part also, too, why we covered grief as a topic last week as well. Because, you know, we, it's so easy for us to get stuck in those what-ifs or regrets or or whatever. I mean, we can really get cracked open from our grief as well. Death is such a radical shift. Our daily routines and our thought habits are broken and we get caught off guard. And sometimes that can open up a, a little bit of a different level in our reality and we can access a little more. We can be more susceptible to receiving. So sort of like we did in the webinar a couple of weeks back where we use our memory to open the door and ask for the connection and then unite ourselves with our higher self, we can you know, kind of set up a protocol and create a way for us to use that kind of an opening uh, like that grief business for us to, to allow ourselves to get clear. But... Um, well, let's just try this. Why don't we why don't you just right now, Tony, take a moment to settle deeply into yourself. Okay? Okay, just let yourself sink right in down into your heart space. This is a nice way to get clear. And just think of something that you dearly love. It could be a sunset or a kitty cat or you know, your family, anything. And now just ask yourself a question. Just something about the guidance that you'd like in your life. Your next step, what you'd like to do. And then just take the first thing that comes to you and we'll give you a moment to receive anything. Hmm. Do you think you have a sense of something? Uh, I do, but I have no idea what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's fine. And it's a wonderful way to begin. Yeah. Uh, Well, shall I share it with you? Yes, please. Okay, well, I imagined I was at Avlapir. As you know, I like to go there Mm -hmm. and to walk along, be out in the water Mm-hmm. especially early in the morning. It's a really nice way to start the day. And so I imagined myself I was I was there, and then I could see uh, Leif, my son, jumping off the pier into the water and splashing around having fun. Mm, that's great. <laughs> that's a wonderful, beautiful imagery. So there's a freedom and an opening there. There's a... a, a what every person would wish for their family members, you know, that joie, joie de vivre, the joy of life. So that's a great image. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing that. I mean, do I go further with it? Do I, I mean, how do I interpret that in terms of guidance? Well, then I would just ask. So you would take another moment and uh-huh. you would just ask, what does this mean? Can you give me more information? Oh, okay. Because my mm-hmm. mind was already beginning to think, you know, was it saying, suggesting that, you know, I take him with me to places that I find special or, you know, that kind of thing. That sounds like a great next bit of information, doesn't Mm. it? Okay, so then you can just build from there. Right, exactly. Excellent. That was really very intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks, Tony, for sharing that experience because it's often very simple like that. And um, that reminds me, could you please just show us our next slide? Certainly. And this is very like your experience. So you had that image on the pier and leaf jumping in with joy and then it occurred to you, oh, maybe I should take my son with me to some of these places that I find really special. That's a great deep level of sharing. And um, 
I think we often only need to know the next few steps in our lives. And I had a dream once where I could see my um, footsteps in the snow before me, and there were just three of them lined out in front of me. And I wrote this little haiku poem, and it goes like this. My feet are always falling steadfastly on my path before me. And basically it just says that we can trust ourselves, we can trust our inner guidance. And, you know, I think back now, you know, what a wonderful thing that would have been had my dad taken me to some of the special places that he found, you know, where he really had his openings and his enlightenment. If he would have shared that with me, he may have taken me to one of the or those, more of those places, but I don't ever recall him saying, you know, I've gotten really good, beautiful insights while I've been here before. And what a lovely, rich moment that is to share in amongst our family members how how very, you know, deep that is. Mm. Yeah. And I must say that uh, particular poem, My Feet Are Always Falling Steadfastly on My Path Before Me, and that sense of knowing the, the next, you know, three steps, uh, that, was, that idea has been very um, sort of liberating for me and very powerful because sometimes it, it can seem like you, you know, when you're faced with a difficulty that you can, you can look way ahead and think, how will I ever do this or get there or whatever? But just by bringing it back to that idea of, so long as you just have the next step or the next two or the next three steps, then you can really sink into, or I can, and, and relax, you know, confident that that's enough for me. I just need to yeah. know the next bit. Yeah, that's so true. And for me, as a medical intuitive, when I was first getting started, you know, if somebody would have told me, oh, sometime, you know, you'll be taking calls from around the world and helping people with their health and healing, I probably would have completely freaked out and run the other direction. No, no, that you know it's too scary <laughs> the cowardly lion within me would have reared up but instead it was just oh this next little thing oh yeah i can do that that's great you know so little tiny bites are good they can let us eventually chew off a big mouth that big mouthful <laughs> so i'd like to talk a little bit about obstacles to gratitude and um because that is our topic today is gratitude and forgiveness and one of the obstacles to gratitude I think of is just purely a lack of conscious awareness. We so often forget to just appreciate the beauties of our everyday life. And, um, you know, I came across this quote some time ago that the foundation of our spirituality is to be appreciative of the gift of life, to have fun, to play, to laugh, to see our life as a piece of God. And I think that that is just so beautiful and so important for us to be aware of. And... Um, one of my favorite astrologers, Rob Rob Bresny, wrote a book called Pronoia. And pro meaning pronoia is the antidote for paranoia. Mm-hmm. Paranoia is fear. So pronoia is coming into your feeling right with the world. And he wrote a little bit in that book about, you know, we wake up in the morning and we get up and stretch and it's a beautiful day and we put our feet down on the floor and we walk to the bathroom. Maybe it might be early. We might flick the light switch on and brush our teeth and, you know, walk out of the room and then stub our toe and we think, oh, it's going to be a terrible day. (laughs) Because all these amazing miracles, just waking up in the first place or just being able to move our bodies or to stand up or to walk, just to be able to walk, they're all such incredible miracles, but we forget to notice the really beautiful parts and we only sort of bring it to our awareness when it's something we don't like, like the stubbing the toe part. You know, we think, oh, now that sets the whole tone for the day, instead of realizing that we've already had 17 miracles before we even got out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) 
So just bringing our awareness to um, our gratitude for our our appreciation for life. And then, you know, I love Frank's wisdom, and he often will point out things like, you know, advertising. I, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of advertisements each American child sees before they reach adulthood, but it's vast. And all of that advertising is constantly saying that you are inadequate. You know, you, you're you not good enough, you're not cute enough, you're not thin enough, you're not as happy, you need to be more relaxed, you're not content, and if you just buy this, we promise you will be all of those things, you know. <laughs> Or I love the one where, you know, the the man is holding the girl in his arms and she's got the new pair of boots on. And it's, yes, you buy these boots, you will get the girl. <laughs> it's so silly. But um, that's what we're constantly bombarded with in our culture. And so that brings us to our next slide. Perhaps you could show that. And this is a quote from Frank, and I just think it's so beautiful. My darling husband. And it says, the most subversive thing that you can do is to be satisfied. <laughs> Well, it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> and so, you know, really the truth of it is is that we are good enough, just exactly as we are, and life works. I love my uh, friend Lee has a beautiful affirmation that she says, and she says, I love my life and my life loves me. That's a great thing, you know, to just think of that. And I have another friend who uh, anointed me as a president of my own personal Life's Beautiful Club. And um, in order to be your own president of the Life's Beautiful Club in your area, all you have to do is say that life's beautiful once a day and uh, hopefully share it with other people and tell others that they're now president of the Life's Beautiful Club because life is beautiful and we need to celebrate it and enjoy it. And, um, oh, why don't you go on to that next slide then, Tony, which is the quote from my friend Lee. I love my life and my life loves me. There it is. And um, there was some time ago when I was uh, writing poetry in the morning, I would wake up and my first thoughts in the morning would be a little, the first line of a poem. And just like that little haiku poem of my feet are always falling steadfastly on my path before me and how we can trust the next, the next little step, I would write down that one line of poetry that had occurred to me and then immediately the next line of the poem would appear in my mind. And I would write down that next line of the poem, and then another one would arise, and I would just write down that one. And before I knew it, I had these beautiful poems just falling out of me. And there was, some, there was something that I did during one of the times when I was healing from one of the many injuries. I think this was in the, um, gosh, I think it was in the 80s when I was healing from that back injury. And I wrote a whole book of poems, and it was a lovely, lovely time. And one of the poems um, is also our next slide, and perhaps you could show this. And this was, this was one when I just suddenly realized that there's so much to be grateful for. And it goes like this. How can I be sad or slip into despair so long as I have arms with which to throw flowers in the air? Isn't that lovely? Yes, beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, yippee, why not celebrate a little bit and throw some flowers up in the air or grab a big bundle of these beautiful fall leaves and just have a little fun. Set yourself free and throw them up in the air. It's a great moment. <laughs> so um, one of the things that's sort of the opposite of advertising is self-love, and that's one of the things that's so critical or crucial to um, leading a self-actualized life is to really getting our self-love on board. And um, 
so that I really consider the foundation, as some of you have heard me say before. It's really the basis. It's where we need to start. And then on top of that firm foundation, we can add the cornerstones of dream interpretation, prayer, sanctuary, and meditation to really build the house of our lives. And I've covered all of these topics in former radio shows, and if you go to the radio page and scroll down to the archives box, you'll find them there. They're all listed by the month. And um, I think the month of July was prayer, and you know, dreams was, I think, June, and sanctuary was August. And they're just you know, wonderful reminders that I use myself to remind, because I forget too, you know, and I need to, you know, the other day I was like, I called my friend, what should I do, the dog, you know, she had her surgery and she's got a horrible scar where the stitches were, and my friend said, oh, you know, try a little vitamin E, and I thought, you know, how many times have I recommended vitamin E to people for scarring? Why did I forget? But somehow when we get into our doldrums or when we slip into a little place of despair, we do sort of have this amnesia that comes over us and we just can't remember. So I, you know, try to remind myself, and that's largely why I've done a lot of this writing and recording, is so that I don't forget because so often it seems like we learn things and then poof, we forget mm-hmm. and we have to learn them again. <laughs> so... um Another obstacle to um, our forward progress in life is a lack of forgiveness, and um, so that you know, along with just an ob- like like an obstacle to gratitude, can be a lack of forgiveness as well. And when I had my big head injury, um, I had you know to spend a year in bed, and so I went ahead and just went through my whole life using forgiveness affirmations to help to liberate myself because. There were some times in the depths of that injury where I thought, oh my, you know, how could God have done this to me? You know, what, what is it? What, what have I done to the world to bring this bad thing upon myself? Of course, later with hindsight, you know, we have 2020 vision and we can really see the beauties and the blessings that have come out of that experience like that. Some of these real stinker experiences in our lives can often be our greatest teachers. And that head injury was certainly a huge teacher for me, and it really opened up my psychic ability in a big way. My psychic ability was already well on board, but it gave it a super boost, and I really got a lot of deep understanding from it. So, you know, during that year of introspection, I worked on those cornerstones of the dream interpretation and meditation and prayer and sanctuary on a base of self-love, and and I really grew. And uh, one of the uh, growth experiences that I had was... um, and this was also from that earlier injury, too, was uh, reading Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And um, she has helped so very many people. And uh, one of the things that, that she did was she would take somebody that she needed to forgive, like maybe it was her parents or somebody who had done her wrong, and she would think of them as a little child, maybe three or four or five. And, you know, it's hard to not forgive a little child. Mm-hmm. They're so innocent and sweet, and it, it's the the experiences of life that can sometimes form us into hardened adults that can do mean things. And so to think of the child and just place that, that person as a little child right into the center of your heart and just forgive them and hold them there and uh, reassuring them that everything will be all right and that you'll take care of them. And that's especially good, I think, to do with ourselves as well, to think of ourselves as a little child and then place ourselves in our heart and and just reassure ourselves that we'll take good care of ourselves. And Wayne Dwyer, a really similar um, experience in the orphanage growing up, you know, a lot hard life, 
But look at the beauty that's come out of that and how how he's been able to help so many other people. And then I sometimes think of, you know, after apartheid in South Africa, they had this amazing miracle conference, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where in South Africa where everybody just spoke with such forgiveness for all of the experiences that had happened. And, um, of course, there's the Course in Miracles, which speaks of, you know, removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. And forgiveness helps us to do that. So um, let's go ahead and move on to the next slide then, if you would. Okay. So this one says, it's not what what happens to us. It's what we do with what happens to us. And I think that's a really important thing to bear in mind as we're moving ahead in our life. You know, life is a school. We're here to grow. And things are going to happen to us. And we're going to have some rough trips along the way. But the question is, is not what's happened, but what we do with what's happened. How can we find a way to turn that into love? How can we help that experience help us to grow inside of ourselves? And, um, you know, that's an important thing for us to think about. Yes, certainly. I mean, it, it seems to me that so many really successful people have often had really difficult experiences in life, and then they've turned them around. Mm -hmm. things they've actually turned the thing which was most difficult into the most empowering or the most beautiful thing you were mentioning um, in post-apartheid South Africa and I was thinking back to the speeches that Nelson Mandela gave when he finally came out of prison and Mm -hmm. they were all about forgiveness yes and you know he, he that's all he expressed and he was able to lead people back together to heal people and then and then lead the nation Um, On that subject, some years ago, or on a different subject, I was fortunate enough to read uh, Maya Angelou's uh, autobiography. And it begins with uh, a book called I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Do you know that? No, I'm not familiar with it. I haven't read it, but I've heard the title before. Oh, it was a fantastic autobiography. And anyway, in the the first volume, uh, she talks about some terrible things that happened to her in her childhood. And from those, many years later, she was actually able to turn them into a a thing of beauty and write about them in the most powerful and moving way. Mm. And um, there was an interesting anecdote. When she was 16, she was in San Francisco, and uh, the bus company, they had these nice uniforms that the um, conductresses and the conductors would wear. So she decided she wanted to have a job as a conductress, and she went along to apply, and at the time, there were no black people working for the bus company in those roles. And so they turned her away. And so she went back the next day and said, I, I want to apply for a, for a job. And they made some abusive comments and told her to go away. And so she came back every day for two weeks. And mm. then finally, they gave her an application. And then she started working as the very first black conductress for the San Francisco bus company. Wow. And uh, I can see how easy it would be faced with that much rejection to to think it's not for me I mean I, I can't go forward here I must stop uh, whereas you know that almost indomitable spirit that came through and said no I've decided this is what I want and just pushing it until the end it's remarkable it sure is that is really great and these are, this is what I mean you know these stinker experiences can really bring us our big soul growth lessons and uh, so, yeah, one of the things that I did, and it would be perfect in this kind of a situation, 
is to just go back. At one point I went back through every year of my life and I thought of everything that I could possibly think of that I might need to forgive and or any every any person and I just thought of them and just forgave them and just went through and just did the work. And it's important to realize that forgiveness does not condone the other person's behavior. It just sets us free and opens us to see the deeper meaning. And um, why don't we go ahead and move on to the sixth slide then. This one says, it's a quote by Ram Dass, and I just love this quote. I use it a lot. Do what you must do with another person, but never take him out of, take them out of your heart. And that is, to me, so profound, you know, because we do need to stand up for ourselves. And we like, like this story of Maya Angelou, we do need to return again and again and persist and, and uh, you know, stand up for ourselves and love ourselves enough to give ourselves what we want in the world. Um, but we just want to remember that it's all about love and it's all about reuniting with the divine, which is within all of us, in all of the many expressions, and, and holding to that. And um, my mentor, Jana, and the teachers that she would channel and bring forth uh, messages from spirit, they spoke, I think, every time that they spoke, they, they mentioned forgiveness. And they mentioned it as the law of erasure. They said it erases the hurt so the truth can be made known. And I often think of that final judgment day also where I don't think that's when we are judged finally as we enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think it's when we finally stop judging and that's when we enter the kingdom of heaven. And I also think that judgment is sometimes just the presence of other people's thoughts. You know, we kind of we're kind of taught our judgments. We're taught, oh, this is right or this is wrong or that is bad or this is good. And yet we can't discern for ourselves. We know very very well, as, even as very little people, what's right for me. You know, no, mm-hmm. it's too hot for me, Mommy. I want less mm-hmm. clothes on her. Yes, I'm cold. I want more clothes instead of having other people's judgments placed into our heads. So I think discernment is fine, but letting go of judgment is a good idea. It just helps us to free us and opens us you know, to see a deeper meaning on the soul level, whatever the experience might be. So, and then, as I've shared in the past, I think that forgiveness really allows us to, frees us to move into gratitude. When we have forgiven, like, you know, when I forgave the guy who rear-ended me at, you know, 60 miles an hour or whatever, you know, when we move into forgiveness, we can finally allow ourselves. It's not saying that that behavior was right. It's just allowed, allowed me to go ahead then and see the good that came out of that experience. It let me move ahead to find that which I could be grateful for. So a lack of forgiveness is one of those things that can prevent us from moving into gratitude. And when we do move into gratitude and we free our mind from forgiveness, then we're a more clear, open channel for the guidance in our lives. We can settle in and receive a little more clearly you know, you think about it. If you go into meditation and you're constantly thinking, rah, 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 that person did this, that person did that, you know, ranting away in our own little minds, well, we're just not going to get very far so far as opening up to receive from our higher self. But if we can instead use that time of meditation, maybe we would, that's a good time to do it, to go ahead and do forgiveness mm-hmm. exercises. Then we are freer to go ahead and, and um, move ahead into gratitude. Well, thank you very much, Josephine. Yeah. That's really helped clarify something for me about, you know, the importance of, you know, being clear mm-hmm. and not having all these um, other thoughts distracting in order to become a, a channel to receive impressions. 
Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Anyway, this is a good point to uh, maybe say that we have a question that's come in from Molly in Santa Cruz. And she writes, Something happened in my childhood. It still angers me today. I'd love to forgive the person, but I just can't. Can you help? Mm, Very, very good question, Molly. I think many of us have this kind of experience. Um, You know, we all have those kind of feelings from time to time. I have a a dentist from my youth. (laughs) Oh, don't talk about dentists. (laughs) I have one of those as well. And it's a shame because fortunately now I have a dentist who I love dearly is one of my very fondest friends. Yeah, me too. I like mine. Now. Yeah, and um, and my current dentist is just an angel and a, a real gem. So, um, but there was a dentist in my past that I it seems like whenever I have a tooth problem, it'll harken back to some of that early dentistry, and I'm like rah 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 <laughs> about this guy. So sometimes we have to um, back up a step or two, you know, with our we can't rush it we want to take our time and get to our forgiveness naturally we can't just force ourselves to do it although there is a lot to be said for faking it until you make it so what i like to urge in a situation like this what i like to encourage people to do is to just be willing to forgive you don't have to necessarily forgive you can just be willing to forgive and i have one friend who says that she's willing to be willing to be (laughs) willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to forgive and um another point that um that I realized the other day was that sometimes we can sort of get our identity wrapped up in our resentments or in our lack of forgiveness. And that can be a stumbling block too. That can sort of trip us up and hold us back because we think, Oh well I'm holding this position. I loved what um Ian Lavanzant once said. She said, You know, if you've got your anger rising up in you, you know, well once that's sort of interesting and worth paying attention to. But, you know, if you find yourself again and again during the course of the day or if your friends are saying, you know, what's that with that shield you're holding up and that helmet you've got on your head? (laughs) Maybe you should take a look at it because it might be becoming a part of your identity to Mm -hmm. kind of hold that position so strongly. And so we want to kind of take a look at that just to make sure that we're not using whatever it is that we're holding on to so strongly that's a negative emotion as a part of our identity. Because r- what a gift it is to free ourselves to, you know, that uh, that being appreciative of the gift of our lives and moving in that direction instead. It, it does help us to move ahead and grow, I feel. So, yes, forgiveness needs to take its own time. And, yes, we can be willing. But we also want to watch that we're not holding on to something as a, a means of, you know, who I present to the world. And um, so, yeah, um, you know, another point with this, too, is I've, I've noticed that sometimes I'll have an overreaction to something, you know, where some something will come up and I'll have a reaction that's way out of proportion to what has occurred. You know, maybe it's just the grocer says something and I think, rah, 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 rah. Well, that's an, a beautiful opportunity where forgiveness is coming up for healing. And I can look back into my past and think, okay, so this experience that I just had um, where I overreacted must have an earlier button somewhere in my life, something back in my past where I had a reaction that was just like that, and that one was probably warranted, that earlier reaction. 
So then that lets me follow that thread of that emotion back to the earlier time so that I can think back, well, what what was that? And I can take some time in contemplation in, either out in nature or in a sanctuary of some sort to, to think back and to do some self-growth and some self-work work on myself and see where it was that I developed that original button. And then work the forgiveness there at the original site and uh, be willing to forgive in that place. And then that changes our whole reaction in the future so that if a grocer today comes up to me with something, I'm not going to have that kind of a response. And I'll be responding more out of a present time situation, more out of a real life uh, occurrence instead of going back to that other one. So, you know, forgiveness, letting go, it frees us to be more of our true self. And um, we have a slide, don't we, Tony, on forgiveness affirmations? Can you find that one? Uh, yes, I should be able to find that. Um, yeah, here it is. Great, great. So um, perhaps these might be of helpful, of help to you also, Molly. And this first one is from Louise Hay, and I love this one because it holds a lot of self-responsibility for what has occurred. And it goes, I forgive you for not being the way that I wanted you to be. I forgive you and I set you free and thereby free myself. And, you know, we do have expectations of others and we we feel like we want them to behave in a certain way. And um, when they don't do that, then we get, you know, upset because we wanted them to be a certain way. And so if we can let go of that and realize that them and their behavior and what they do in the world is between them and their God, it doesn't really have anything to do with us. We mistakenly think that God needs our help in correcting the behavior of others. And really, they and God have it well in hand. And the only person whose behavior that we need to be responsible for is our own. And so this sort of takes our assumptions out of the picture. And it just gets right down to the the, uh, the core of just, I forgive you and I set you free and thereby free myself. And again, it's not condoning the other person's behavior. It's just allowing ourselves to find peace. So, and then I think we have another slide on forgiveness, which I also would love to share right now. And this one is a three-part slide. Do you find that one, Tony? Is this, I forgive you for any pain? Yep, that's yes. the one. We have that. Yeah, so I forgive you for any pain that you may have caused me. And I ask that you forgive me for any pain that I may have caused you. Because it's always a two-way street. And I forgive myself for allowing you to cause me any pain. And so this one comes from the three angles of forgiveness. You know, I forgive you for any pain that you may have caused me. Yeah, we are feeling that pain. And we're just going to forgive them and let it go and move on with our lives. And then realizing that if we're feeling pain from them, very likely they are also feeling pain from us or from what we might represent or from some aspect of our being or of our energy field. And so we ask that they forgive us for any pain that we may have caused to them. I ask that you forgive me for any pain that I may have caused you. And then lastly, forgiving ourselves, you know, for allowing you to cause me any pain. There's that old story about, you know, I used to walk down the street and fall in the same hole, and then pretty soon I was walking down the street and walking around the hole, and then one day I just took a different street. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sort of that idea there. You know, we... Somehow we were involved in the creating of that situation, and and we could have created differently. So um, that's that was a. I'm so glad, Molly. Thank you for leading us into that whole um, idea on the depth of forgiveness that we can get into. 
Thank you, Josephine. Thank you very much for those forgiveness affirmations. Sure. Uh, we have a comment from Wisconsin from Cynthia, and she writes, Josephine, I just want to thank you for that exercise at the beginning. Mm. I had a really wonderful experience. Very clearly, the lyrics to a song that I haven't heard in years popped into my head, and I realized that I need to go to my birthplace, and I'll know what to do from there. Oh, that's great, Cynthia. That's a very nice experience. Yeah, we can trust what we know, and the more we trust ourselves without any doubt, the more psychic we become. It's sort of like honoring our dreams. You know, if we work with them, more comes to us. And the same holds true for our psychic impressions. Honoring them brings more blessings, just like gratitude. And this brings us to our next slide. And we have we have a lot of slides this week for you. We do, don't we? <laughs> we do. So this one says gratitude brings more blessings. And um this is a uh, there's a branch of Hawaiian spirituality that has an invitation to see everything as beautiful. And when we are in gratitude everything is beautiful. Yeah, so um now what I'd like to do is to just share with you my morning prayer which goes like this. And this is a a rendition of a poem from E.E. Cummings. It goes, Thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and the true blue dreamless sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I, who have died, am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of laughter and of love and of wings, and of the great gay happening, illimitable earth. How can any tasting, touching, seeing, feeling, hearing, any human merely being doubt unimaginable you? Now the ears of my ears awake, now the eyes of my eyes are opened. And then I go on to say, O Creator, God of truth, God of love, I accept all blessings of truth at this time. I'm ready for the new. I welcome the abundance. And then... Divine Spirit of my higher self, Creator, God of truth, God of love, thank you everything for everything. And so it is. Well, that's a truly amazing way to start the day. And you do that every morning? I do. I open the shutters and I say my... Actually, I I awaken and then I usually, before I roll over or move, I try to catch any dreams that are there and I jot those down. And uh, then I might visit the restroom and then I go to open the draperies and the shutters and that's when I do my morning prayer. And then while I'm nice and fresh, first thing in the morning, wide awake, I'll usually step in and do my meditation. So it's a nice morning routine. It's a good way to start the day. <laughs> mm. Yeah. There's one thing that was just crossing my mind, um, because you were talking uh, in an earlier program about memory and yes. uh, the connection with that and, and re- recovering our forgotten memories and um, psychic ability. And then we touched on that thing with uh, Maya Angelou and to write that enormous sort of autobiography that she did. She said that she had to do something very similar to what you described, which is to go back and recover all of her childhood and everything that had happened in it so that she could um, distill from that, you know, the book. And she said that she would go and rent a a hotel room every day when she was writing in the morning. And then she would just lie on the bed in the room and ask for any pictures in the room to be taken off the wall. 
and uh, she would also take a, a pack of cards with her apparently to place Holdertaire when she wasn't writing. And then she would just spend the time thinking about the memories until they came back well enough so that she could write them down. Mm. And I'm, I'm imagining that in terms of what you're talking about in terms of inspiration um, and being able to listen to our inspirations and be guided by them, it sounds to me that there might be a connection there between what, what she described herself doing and, and what you described doing in terms of cultivating psychic ability. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really true. You know, when we just trust ourselves and give ourselves over to what is real in our lives and what is right before us, we often find ourselves just doing exactly what we need to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's the presence of other people's thoughts, those judgments or those shoulds that kind of come creeping in that kind of set us astray on the wrong on the wrong path. I think that life is meant to be joyous. And mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily need to pick up burdens with our joys. I don't think that anybody said, oh, you're joyous. Now you better pick up this burden and <laughs> take it along with you. And, you know, that's a mistake that I made in the first part of my life. I early on had a very, um, you know, serious dampening down of my joy. When I was a little girl, I can remember my mom saying, you know, there are starving children in Afghanistan and you have to eat everything on your plate. And I didn't quite know what that connection was, how eat, my eating everything on my plate helped them. But somehow I realized that there were other people that were less fortunate than me, and it kind of went in pretty deeply. And then I had an experience where I was uh, I had broken my leg pretty severely, and uh, it needed to be rebroken uh, after about two weeks to get it to line up correctly so that my leg would grow normally. And I was only seven years old at the time. And... Um, while I was waiting in the doctor's office one morning, uh, I, uh, there were a bunch of other children always in the office. This was a, a, a doctor's office for children with um, injuries to their bones. And a, a girl came in with her mother and her father, and she was a thalidomide baby, and she had been born without any feet. And as a young girl, for me, my main joy was running and jumping and playing like I was a horse. I would gallop everywhere and jump over all the little streams and spend hours on end jumping over broomsticks set up between pieces of furniture in the living room. <laughs> and I loved it, and it really brought me my greatest joy. And so to see this little girl come in who had no feet, it was just astounding to me. I just didn't know what to do with that information. I just couldn't believe it. And... um I, at that time, really made a decision to shut down my joy. And it wasn't until some, you know, 20 or 30 years later when I had that back injury and I was having a very difficult time healing. Um, in fact, it kept getting worse and worse as the months would go by. I would have progressively more and more pain. I started to have pain come up my spine and then out my arms. And it, it was really quite concerning. And I had to sell my business, and I was wondering, how am I going to support myself, and am I going to be crippled for life, and la, 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 and how could God do this to me? All those little things that run through our heads. And um, then a friend of mine, my dear friend Alita on the East Coast, she had heard of a woman that did channeling, and that was my, my soon-to-be mentor, Jana, and she brought messages from spirit through the teachers. And she was one of those trans channels, so she would settle in to do her work, and she would close her eyes, and she would sort of slip into a slightly unconscious state. <clears throat> and uh, like you were mentioning the other day about seeing the white light around people at funerals, I could sometimes see this blue light just as like a thin haze of this sort of enter in through her crown chakra. 
And then she'd begin speaking, and her voice was usually a little higher in tone and uh, had a slightly different accent. I couldn't quite exactly peg it if it was more Irish or Asian or what. But the first time I experienced her she was when I was during this back injury phase, and I was really beside myself, and I didn't know what to do. And Frank had to get up early for work the next morning, so he didn't come with us, so he was at home sleeping in bed. And, and um, she said... The teachers, I asked, you know, do you have a message for me? And the teacher said, uh, do you see, you know, can you imagine seeing a little bird on, hopping on the ground? And I said, yes. And they said, is the bird happy or sad? And I said, well, it's happy. And then they said, now let's just imagine that you find out that the bird is crippled and cannot fly. Is it still happy or is it sad? And I thought, well, maybe it's sad. And they said, meditate on this and you'll get more information. I thought, Okay, and then they went on and answered a few more questions. I thought, you know what, I don't think I'm going to get any more information. I'm going to ask again. So I asked them some more, and um, I said, you know, I don't I don't think I'm going to get any information from this. Can you help me out a little bit more with it? And they uh, helped me to recall that image of the little girl in the office, uh, the thalidomide girl without any feet, and I had completely forgotten about her. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they gave me just a couple of little promptings, you know, do you remember when you were seven and you were, you know, healing from an injury? And and then it all came rushing back to me in the little red and white gingham dress that she had on. And suddenly I could see it from new eyes, from an adult perspective. And from my adult perspective, I could see what I was not able to see as a child. And what I was able to see was that her... Daddy scooped her up into his arms and gave her kisses all over her body, and she giggled and laughed. And I saw the expression on her mother's face as she looked at her husband holding her darling baby girl and the deep, deep love that she felt there. And I realized that this child did not get her joy from running around like mm-hmm. a little horse. She got her joy from a completely different place and that her life was abundant in joy. And then some months later, I got a pack of cards or something that were created by a girl who was a thalidomide baby and colored pencil work or something, and and, um, and I knew it was her. <laughs> it was just like, wow, she became an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, these things, it's hard. You know, anyway, the end result of that was the following morning when I realized that that what came out of that was a was a little another little poem. It was during that poem writing phase, which was that the universe feeds on our joy. And I wrote a whole little poem about that, how when we damper down our joy and we prevent our joy from rising up, percolating up through us and giving it to the world, we really rob the universe of what is our joy to feed it. I mean, that's our job, is to feed it joy. And um, here all this time, since that experience at the age of seven, Whenever I would feel my joy naturally percolating up in me, I would dampen it down and say, oh, no, no, I can't be feeling that joy. There are other people in the world who are less fortunate. And so I was withholding my joy for all those years. And then when I finally made that realization, I thought, okay then, (laughs) I'm going to feel it and I'm going to let it out and I'm going to feed the universe what it needs, which is joy. So, That's a wonderful story. Yeah, thank you. And and then the of course the end result was right after I did that and 
uh, you know, where I could only stand for three minutes at a time before that. The next day I was able to start walking for half a mile without any pain, and my healing just progressed and progressed from there. It was a real clear lesson for me on the emotional connection between our healing and our physical bodies. Mm, very clear, very clear. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, well, we've had a question uh, from right. Jack in Los Angeles, and he writes, it's hard to get some of these negative memories out of our head. They seem to take up residence. I can forgive, but they keep coming back. What do you recommend? <laughs> yes. Well, I like to have a replacement thought at the ready. So one of the things that I do, and Frank was laughing earlier because um, I t- today my replacement thought that I've been having you know, because I'm no different from anybody else. I can get worries or concerns, you know, and if they rise up, then I, I just sort of have something ready to put in there instead. And my current one is an Alleluia choir. Oh, can't you just imagine? They're all dressed in their choir dresses and shining, <laughs> sparkling faces and beautifully clean hair. And they're, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. <laughs> and so... When, um, you know, a negative thought arises for me the last day or two, I've been inserting the Alleluia Choir. And uh, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. So, you know, Louise Hay uses yellow roses. That's her favorite imagery. Or um, other people have other ones. And, you know, I think of the shepherd's crook, you know, on the old stage of our lives. You know, pull that thought off with the shepherd's hook. and Get off out of here. And then put in the thought we'd like to think. And a lot of our thoughts are habits, and habits can be changed just like anything else. And thoughts are actually much easier to change than many other things. So just changing the thought is a good idea. And I'm so glad that you wrote this in, Jack, because um, it also brings us to a really important teaching story, which is the teaching story of Dr. Hugh Len in the um, Hawaii State Hospital. And this was a hospital for the criminally insane. And... um, he was asked to go ahead and become the director there, and he would come in and go to work and um, get started and just go into his office and shut the door. And it was a very interesting place because it was a, a miserable place to work, actually. Um, and I think this was during the 70s. And there was a book, I think it was called Zero Limits, and it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the author, I think it was uh, Joe Vitale wrote the book and um it, on this on this particular subject and um when Hugh Lynn first started working there it was difficult for they had a huge employee turnover people didn't last in any of the jobs there because there were constantly these horrible outbreaks from the or or you know outbursts from the inmates and many of the inmates were in shackles and a lot of them were in solitary confinement and it was difficult to get any repairs done, and so the place looked shabby because of the conditions that everybody was suffering under. And so Hugh took up his position there, and he did a very interesting thing. He would just go into his office and close the door every day. And um, he would be in there by himself all day long, and no real outward expression of anything happening. But the result of the work that he was doing in his office was quite, quite palpable. And what happened was um, the inmates started having shorter duration of time in the hospital instead of being in there for basically for life or for years. They would be pretty well rehabilitated in a few months' time and able to return to normal society. 
the inmates and the employees, of course, first the first thing that started to happen was the uh, the place started to look a little better. There was less outbursts from the patients, less uh, uh, loud interruptions to the working day. And um, then fewer patients had to wear the shackles and fewer were spending time in solitary confinement. And then some of the inmates and some of the employees got together plans for cookie baking and bake sales and for tennis tournaments and car washes and other fundraising events. And the whole thing just started turning around. And it's a very interesting uh, thing what Hugh Len was doing, uh, Dr. Hugh Len. He was practicing the uh, another spiritual tradition from Hawaii, which is called Ho'oponopono. And um, it's really quite an extraordinary practice. And Dr. Hugh Len feels that when we do this consistently, we can really free ourselves to our own divinity, to our own source. And the way that it happens is that... Um, we just allow inspirations to spontaneously arrive, arise in our consciousness from that place of pure potential source, which we all share, instead of our judgments and our adverse belief systems. So what he would do when he would go into his office is he would take out the files one by one of all of the patients and all of the inmates, and he would focus on their image, on their picture. And there would be the words there that would say about the heinous and horrible deeds that they had done. And he would just clear his mind of any belief about those actions that had happened. He would just let go of those beliefs, either the ones that were, that were there on print or the ones that he'd been told to by others. And he would just allow the pure potentiality to rise up instead, that place of neutrality or clarity, a real clean slate. He would allow the divinity to just percolate up to him as an inspiration and from that standpoint, he feels that we're really free to manifest or create from source. And as a result, and, and then the other thing that he would do, which was the practice that comes with this, is he would say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you. And um, with that, he was clearing himself of his belief about those other people about those inmates. And as he cleared himself, they became free to be a whole new creation, just to become something completely different. And so let me get this straight, Josephine. They had no idea that this is what he was doing. That's right. He was just there in his room. No one knew what he was doing. And then he was looking at their pictures and saying saying those words. Yes, I love you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And thank you. Wow, it's amazing. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, it's um it's it's really quite an interesting story. And there is a a YouTube on it, I think, and um, well worth looking up to see the interviews with Hugh Len as he talks about this experience. And so what happened was not only did the shackles come off and the inmates were no longer in the seclusion rooms, um but furthermore, the state the percentage of people who were experiencing mental mental illness in the state began to drop. And then the number of inmates that were in the hospital started to really drop because they were getting out sooner and not staying in so long. And pretty soon the whole inmate population dwindled to such an extent that they just simply closed the hospital. Wow. <laughs> and it became a school, I think, <laughs> which is just such a wonderful, extraordinary transformation. And it just shows that 
have the importance of forgiveness and how when we hold somebody to being a you know a, a bad person, you are a bad person and I can't forgive, we hold them there. We are helping to create that in in a way. If you you know take heed to this story that is you know to really see it from that perspective, that what we want to do is we want to let go of those kinds of thoughts and feelings and judgments. We want to free not only ourselves but everybody else to that state of pure potentiality that we can access. So this is a really good question, Jack, and I'm so glad you asked it. Um, it can be really hard to forgive sometimes, but we can start with our willingness, and then if we really want to take the advanced course, we can go into this whole Pono idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for such a complete answer, Josephine. I found that story really inspiring. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, we're getting very near the end of the show now. Uh, just a couple of minutes left. The link to next week's show can be found on Josephine's website, stepintomagic.com, and click on radio. And if you've enjoyed the show and would like to receive a reminder about the show each week, please go to Josephine's website and leave us a message on the contact page. So, Josephine, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yes. Well, here in America, it is Thanksgiving. And, you know, whether you're in America or not, it's a great opportunity, as is every moment of our lives, to be grateful and to express our gratitude. And I'd love to share just one more quote with you this week. And so, Tony, if you could show our last slide. This is from one of my very favorite poem, poets, Rabindranath Tagore. And this one says, Clouds come floating into my life, no longer to carry rain or usher storm." but to add color to my sunset sky. That's beautiful. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> mm, what a nice place to be. <laughs> yeah. And here we are right at sunset time. So um, now in closing, I'd like to say this little blessing, which is, as our gifts are given in love, they are received in love. And we honor their wise use and their increase for all concerned. And I thank you all for the gift of your time. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for that, Josephine. And likewise, it's been a real pleasure for me to be talking to you for this past hour. I do trust that everyone listening has learned something useful about developing psychic ability and something about forgiveness and gratitude. This has been show number L4-11.13. So join us again next week for our first show in December, which is titled Sensing Subtle Energies. We'll be focusing on subtle energies and auras as we come into this holiday season. And this is a time when balancing our energetic nature is particularly important. So I hope that you'll be free to tune in and please invite your friends. Ask them to go to my website, which is www.stepintomagic.com and contact me. And I'll go ahead and send them the links. So it's always such a treat to see what deep community we have formed together here, sharing these ideas and learning how to trust and honor our inner guidance. So I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined in or listened. And we honor our shared universal consciousness and raise the planetary vibration when we, as we come together in this way. Tony and I wish you all insight, wisdom, and magic as you pursue the journey of inner knowing. I hold you all in light and love. Thank you for listening. This is Josephine Lang. Until next week, good night.